Hi everybody, the Complex PTSD guy here. I'll start out by saying I'm not a doctor or psychiatrist, I'm just a guy living with complex PTSD, and I'm sharing my own ideas, experiences, and opinions on this podcast. I wanted to discuss some one of the main symptoms of complex PTSD, and I don't know that I've ever formally discussed this before. And when I say formally, I mean by a word that is used um, that I found online that may be the more formal way of describing it. So it's called somatization. Um, so again, I, I looked up complex post-traumatic stress disorder and I looked it up on Wikipedia because I I always point out there's a lot of footnotes and references that you can find off of the articles that Wikipedia uses. It's not my go-to for everything, but I think they give really a nice amount of info. Um, you know, being in the history field, a lot of historians I hear sometimes say, how scholarly is this or how scholarly is that? And I don't really care. I, I feel like this is, it gives you really good references to look into, um, is what I would tell historians who might look down in some ways on Wikipedia. Um, but underneath symptoms for complex post-traumatic stress disorder, I'll just read what they are, and somatization is one of them, but hyperarousal, emotional overstress, intrusive thoughts, emotional dysregulations, hypervigilance, negative self-beliefs, interpersonal difficulties, and also often attention difficulties, anxiety, depression, somatization, dissociation is the last one dissociation. Um, but under somatization, I really didn't know what that meant. Um, so they're talking about a part of the body, um, is what they're talking about. And when they say somatic, but, um, and they, they list that complex PTSD symptoms share similarities with other types of disorders. And one of them is somatization disorder, but I don't want to confuse somatization disorder with somatization or basically um, what that means is when you're having, say, problems with your body, like headaches, back pains, um, like your digestive problems, and these all are going back to trauma and stress. That's what they're getting at here is um, the your stress and your anxiety affecting your body. And particularly, um, for me, I have experienced this in regards to paralysis. So I've had Bell's palsy twice. I had it in 2010 and 2020. And both times I had it, the night before, um, a very, very life-altering things happened. One was related to a relationship with um, someone that I had dated that I was going to be in a long-term relationship with. And I would, I would have to say that their behavior didn't make sense in regards to what they had already told me. So like one of my triggers is when people's behavior doesn't make sense. This was something that was life altering. And basically, I don't want to say they lied to me, but they, they, led me to believe something that was false. Um, and it just forever altered my life. 
Um, and then the, the second thing that happened in 2020 was me reconnecting with my primary abuser, which I always tell people don't do. Um, and part of that was my concern for them during the, the worldwide virus. Um, so two huge events, right? The person that you think you're going to spend the rest of your life with and the other person being your primary abuser. One, um, the situation ended and one, the situation started back up. So the day after the first situation in 2010, I woke up the next day and I had Bell's palsy. And then in 2020, when I reconnected with my abuser, I woke up the next day and I had Bell's palsy. So, you know, that's your physical body manifesting your stress. And in both situations, um, it was one, like I said, the first time it was someone's behavior, not making sense to me. And I would just say world collapsing. So catastrophic thinking, um, to where the whole rest of your life is altered. Um, and then in the second one, for me, that was, um, a deck of cards is how I would describe it. So when you've cut contact with your primary abuser and this had gone on, I had been separated from them, my primary abuser for, I'd say it had been about three years. So three years, um, hadn't seen them or talked to them. And, you know, when I reconnected, it, it makes you think, um, it's a huge trigger for that feeling of incompetence which I go back to all the time. Um, I think a lot of um, people's behavior not making sense. And when you reconnect with your abuser, when you've already drawn that line and you step back over it, um, it's like a house of cards and it collapses. So the, the deck of the house of cards collapsed um, because you crossed the line, right? Um, so for me, it was, you know, there was no order. My order had been disrupted. Um, voluntarily, I will say, because I, I made the decision to do it. But, you know, you walk back into the lion's den. Um, and so it, it creates that, it's almost like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde world where you can go back to crazy world and then you can come back to sane world or not crazy world. Um, two different worlds that you're living in, um, which is, you know, a real balancing act. Um, and that's why I always say I don't recommend it to anybody to ever reconnect with your primary abuser. But um, so somatization being a symptom, yes. So I can see this, you know, other people have, you know, headaches when they're around the toxicity. Other people have like irritable bowel syndrome. Other people have chest pains or heart pains and uh, back pains and you know and I don't want to again confuse somatization so having those problems with somatization disorder because I'm not talking about somatization disorder I'm talking about um, these kind of physical problems that you can have when you're around a toxic nasty person you know someone who's very um, just not good they're not good to be around. Um, and again, I don't know that I've ever formally talked about somatization. I don't think I've ever actually brought that up before. So I thought I would do this short episode about it. I'm not an expert on it. Um, 
you know, I almost feel like I wish it was called something different. Um, but maybe that's the best word to use, somatization. Um, again, I have had, you know, the physical, you know, major physical ailments from that stress. And that's why, you know, it's so important to take care of your health and what your diet, you know, what you eat is very important. So I really try to make sure I eat foods that are good for my nervous system. And I take like B vitamins for my nervous system. Um, I take magnesium, things like that. And again, I'm not a doctor. So, you know, when it comes to vitamins, talk to your own doctor. But those are ones that really help me. They help me sleep better. And they're good for your nervous system. Leafy green foods are good for your nervous system. Nuts are good for your nervous system. I think dark chocolate. A lot of the things that are good for sleep are also good for your nervous system. Um, fish, things like that. So um, anyway, I just try to make sure I, you know, try to walk every day and, you know, eating that healthy food. Aromatherapy, you know, orange aromas are good for depression um, there's different types of aromatherapy that can help with sleep and sadness so it's just good to take care of yourself and that's one example um, and again for me having a um, an organized home and a purpose for what you're doing each day is very important too but I just wanted to touch on somatization so this is the complex PTSD guys signing off